to start this morning off with. So this is not, this is uh, rhetorical. This is rhetorical. Is it possible to live a fulfilled life without fulfilling your calling? That's the question. Rhetorical question, (laughs) Cynthia. Let, let me just explain this. So, so as followers of Jesus, we, we can read in the scriptures that God has called us into a life, moving his kingdom and inviting people into his kingdom. And so, so just to, you know, maybe I thought about, maybe there's, um, there's three definitions that we, you know, these terms that we throw out that as I mention these terms today, let me just talk about three definitions. Gifting. So if you hear me say gifting, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about the spiritual gift, what God has placed in you as a follower to, to, to serve in the body and to serve in this world. What, what's the specific gifting that God has given you? So, so, so if I say gifting, you know there's, there's a, a tool, a, an equipping that you receive from God that, that you know, maybe needs to be developed, but, but it's something God has specifically given you to make up the body of, of Christ. Second one's calling. So when we say, can you fulfill your calling? Can you be fully fulfilled in this life without fulfilling your calling? The, the, the term calling, I look at simply as, it's my path that God is asking me to walk down and use my gifting along that path. You see how they tie together? So, so I, it's, it's my specific job. I, I kind of don't like job. It's, it's what God's allowing me to do and be a part of within the work of his kingdom. That's the calling. And then there's this word we use called anointing. And that's a word that can, whoa, what does that mean? And my definition, my simple definition is it's God's hand and his Holy Spirit's blessing and his Holy Spirit's guiding of me as I walk out that calling. Does that sound like a fair definition? Like the, so the anointing of God on me is God saying, I am with you, I am equipping you, I am, I am moving you through my Holy Spirit to, to walk out in this life and use the gifting to, to fulfill the calling that I have placed in you. And so the question goes back is, is it possible for us to live a fulfilled life without fully fulfilling our calling as followers of Jesus? And I, I, would, I would say the answer is probably no. Here's, here's what I, I hope for today. And, and as we've, you know, we're kind of jumping back into this David and Goliath talk. Um, my hope is that if we haven't discovered our calling, if you haven't discovered your calling, what God, what God has placed in you and, and is entrusting you to do within his kingdom, for his kingdom, that you'll walk out of here saying, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure that out. I want to move in that. If you've discovered your calling, but you, you've been detoured for whatever reason, that at the end of today, you'll walk out going, I'm going to get back up on track. If you've discovered your calling and you're marching in that calling, that you would be encouraged that, that this is what fulfillment of life brings when we, as followers of Jesus, walk this out. That's kind of where I hope we land this morning, okay? So, so I was having this conversation with this guy. It was a passing conversation. He's an acquaintance. I don't know him really well. And here's the thing I do know about him. He grew up in the church. I knew that this guy grew up in the church. I knew that this guy graduated from a Bible college. So my assumption would be this guy probably is a follower of Jesus. This guy's probably a Christian. But I don't want to make that assumption, assumption, but knowing that he grew up in the church, my hope would be, let's just say my hope would be that he's a follower of Jesus. This guy's in his mid-20s. He, um, he has started this business that is 
like booming. It's taken off and it's just, it's going gangbusters. And his comment to me was, I just want to make a lot of money and be rich and happy. That was his comment to me. And, and I thought, you know, it was a passing comment. We were in the middle of doing something else. We, it wasn't like a head-to-head, let's, let's discuss this statement that you just made. But as I thought about that, I, I wondered, when will this guy realize that he's not fulfilled? When, how much money, how much toys will he have to buy? How many, how many things will he pass through to keep this, this feeling of being fulfilled up that when he'll discover, if he's a follower of Jesus, that, yeah, it just isn't cutting it. And I could tell you from personal experience that, that there's a truth behind, there's nothing that this world can offer that brings what, what, can offer, what God offers when we're walking out what he's, what he's equipping us and allowing us to do. And so my answer would be that, no, we cannot, we cannot fulfill, you know, fully walk fulfilled life without fulfilling our calling. I, I believe that um, everything outside of our calling that we go after for, 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 for the fulfillment we're looking for will be exposed as counterfeits. It'll be exposed as counterfeits. And, and maybe that may take some time that we'll realize, yeah, that, that's fake. Yeah, that I'm still not happy. I still don't feel like I'm, I'm walking it out. And so my hope is that we can just be followers of Jesus and say, I'm not, I'm not going to walk down that path. I'm just going to go after what I know God's called me to go after. So here, here's just some thoughts about your calling. Your calling is a gift from God. Your calling, you are called for a purpose. God chose you. We'll look at that today. I love this one. Your sins and your mistakes don't change your calling. That's good, right? Thanks for that, Cynthia. That's good. I mean, think, think about all the mess-ups we've done. It doesn't change what God's asked you to do, what God's encouraging and allowing you to do within this kingdom. God empowers you for what he calls you to do. And then the final is your calling brings ultimate fulfillment. So the story of David and Goliath, you know, we, we probably all know the story. It tells about this little boy killing this great giant, this warrior. And um, we've looked at this story of, of, of David being a, anointed as king. We look at that when Samuel came in, this was probably a month ago that we talked about this, when Samuel came in to the house of Jesse and all the sons were lined up because somebody in Jesse's family, one of his sons were going to be anointed as king. Little David was overlooked and was left out in the field tending the sheep. And through the whole process of, of preparation and, and getting ready to, to worship and to sacrifice and for this mom, moment to happen in the life of this home, the one person that God had chosen was left out of the picture. Why? Because in the, in the eyes of man, all the other sons looked like who should be king. And if you remember, that take home for that day came out of, out of 1 Samuel chapter 16, and it said that the Lord looks at the heart. Do you remember that? And, and remember we, we talked about as followers of Jesus, we need to shift from looking at people in their physical and looking at how God looks at them, at the heart of what, how God looks at them. And then for us, it's a development of our heart, that God's really concerned about our heart. It's always about the heart. It's our heart condition 
And we need to consider the condition of our heart as we look toward Jesus. Now, after David was anointed as king on that, in that time, we don't see that David rushed off and just took his, his place on the throne, do we? We actually, we, we can read and histor- history will show that it was almost 20 years or 21 years before David actually took his place as king of Israel. And what we see David doing is engaging back in the work that he was already doing as a shepherd. And then we see God bringing about these amazing coincidences of how he begins to develop David to take the throne. And so in, in verses, th- or verses 19 through 22, there's just a couple things. It says, David went to Saul and began serving him. And so we, we saw that, that through these coincidences, David entered into a place where he became the understudy of the king. He became right hand to the king. And at the end of that scripture, it says that um, Saul sent word to Jesse and asked, please let Davis, David remain in my service, for I am pleased, very pleased with him. And so on our way to our fulfilling our calling, I, I, we pointed out that we need to be in, in acts of service and acts of, of developing what God is placing us to do. And so, so maybe some of us are on this path right now where we know, hey, God's called me to do this in my life, to, to, to be active in this. I'm not quite there, but I'm serving and I'm developing in that place. And that was kind of where we landed a few weeks ago. And so as we move on to chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, what we see is we see David continuing to be faithful to Saul and also faithful to his job as the family shepherd. And we, we know that he has his calling from God. He's embraced it, and is he, he's developing his calling by faithfully serving those around him. And so that brings me back to three questions for us, and it's questions we keep asking is, have I discovered my gifting and my calling? Have you, as a follower of Jesus, can, if I said, what has God gifted you with? What is your, what is your spiritual gift? Would you, would you know? Now, now, we've thrown this out for the past month and a half or so. If you don't know what your gifting is, let's, let's have a conversation because there's, there's ways to discover that. And I've been encouraged by the number of people that have said, Tom, I, I need to know what my gifting is. And we've, and we've walked through that, and people are starting to discover, you know, oh, this is my gifting. Some, some people, I had one person ask me, I said, you, you, let me just tell you what your gifting is. And I told her, your gifting is this, 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 and this. She took the test, and guess what? Her gifting was this, 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 and this. Because it was so evident in her life what God had placed in her. Second question is, have you embraced your calling? And then the third is, are you fighting against your calling, or are you working to develop your calling? So this goes, this just ties in with it being fulfilled. So here, here's what we'll do. We'll just kind of look at chapter 17. There's only 51 verses for us to cover today, so we're just going to look at those in detail. <laughs> all, to, all to just be encouraged that our calling is where God placed us, places us, and that's what brings us to fulfilling as we walk out this world and as we look for eternity. So, so here, here's what we're going to do. Just, I'm going to spend two minutes just covering the first, those 51 verses, okay? So verses 1 through 11. If you read verses 1 through 11 of chapter 17, it, it, start, we, it introduces you to Goliath. 
to this giant, to this guy who's, who's a, a warrior. He's huge. I mean, he's like nine foot tall. His sword is massive. His shield is massive. You know, the, what, it, it lists the details of how much everything weighs that he's of his armor. And it just paints this picture of this guy who is unbeaten. He's a giant that when people, he comes up against people, people die. He, he gets in the way of anything that people want to do. And, and it talks about, verse 1 through 11, talks about how, how Goliath loves, he's standing, in, he's from the Philistine army, he's standing in front of the Israel army, and he's just taunting them day after day, and he's saying, just send one person out. If, if they kill me, you guys win, and you could take over us. You know, the Israelites get the Philistines. If, if we win, we get you. We'll sacrifice one-on-one, and it'll be a done deal. That's, that's 1 through 11 in a nutshell. As we move on, 12 through 31, reintroduces this kid named David. And in this, in this introduction, it says that Jesse's oldest sons, three of his oldest sons, go off and they join Saul's army, and they're there encamped to fight against the Philistines. And Jesse sends his son David to leave the sheep behind and go check up on his brothers and see how they're doing. He sends a gift to give to Saul he sends some food for his brothers, and he just simply wants David to go, observe, and report. While David's there, David's hearing the taunting from this giant. He's hearing this giant just, just blaspheming the army of Israel. And so he starts to inquire, what's going to happen? Who's going to take this man on? Who's going to go? Multiple times in this scripture, we read that The army, Israel army, were terrified of this giant. Terrified. These are are trained warriors, terrified of this one man. We even read that Saul himself, the king, was terrified of the giant. Verses 35 through 51, 32 through 51, David says, I'll fight the guy. I'll, I'll, I'll take down this guy. It's no problem. Let's do this. And everybody laughs and everybody says, who are you? And this and that. And in the end, Saul decides, what, what, what else do we have to lose? Are we going to just keep standing out here day after day? And he allows David to go fight the giant. And you guys know the story that David takes his sling and takes some stones. And he, he pitches that sling and, you know, of the stone. The stone hits the giant in the head. 51 ends with David running over, taking Saul's sword you know, and cutting Saul's head off. It's a beautiful story. Goliath's head off. He doesn't cut Saul's head off. Thanks. Rewind that, record. Cuts Goliath's head off. The most unlikely person, he steps up and he does the job that everyone else is afraid to do. here's, Here's what I see taking place for David. David knows that God has called him and anointed him to be the king of Israel. He knows that that's going to happen someday in history. We can read in chapter 17 that if Goliath wins, there will no longer be a king of Israel. Because Goliath, the, the agreement was, whoever fights me, whoever loses, that army, that people group come under submission to the, to the victors. So if, if Goliath wins, Israel comes under subject to the Philistines, no longer need for a king. But God 
has anointed and said, you're going to be the next king. So there's a problem in this picture. And for David, I think what he recognizes is God placed his hand on me and I'm going to be a king. So this giant is only a roadblock in my path to becoming a king. This giant is, is at best a detour for me to become a king. And since nobody else is going to take on this guy, I'll do it. And that's a pretty bold thing for a five foot two kid to go up against a nine foot giant warrior. But here's the verse, and I don't think we have it up there, but if you have your Bible, 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. This is what David says. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see what David does there? He, in the natural, nothing's gonna, he can't beat this guy. But David moves it into a spiritual emphasis and says, God is behind this army. God's leading this army. God's hands on this army. I'm part of this. God's hands on me. This giant has nothing against God. I, I get this picture of as David walked down into the valley to face Goliath, that behind him were just armies of heaven going, this is going to be a piece of cake. And David was just the physical representative of what was happening in a bigger picture. David was filled with God's spirit, and he knew, I have the anointing to be the future king. And he just recognized, this guy's just a speed bump in the life for what we're doing. So we just need to ask this question. As we've tried to walk out our calling, as you've walked out your calling, what are the giants in your life that have tried to block what God's called you to do? What are they? Sometimes we, we make giants out of little things too. So consider, oh, the giant was that somebody said something to me and it hurt my feelings. And so I just decided I wasn't going to go that route. What are, what are these giants that really are just speed bumps? For us to walk it out. If God's called you to do something and you're walking it out, God is equipping, he's moving, he's anointed, anointing you, and you, you're, it'll be fulfilled. Have you discovered your calling? Are you just serving in areas to develop this calling or are there roadblocks that are keeping you from the calling? So here's what, here's what I want to do in the, in the rest of our time this morning. In this, in this chapter... David has three conversations that I read of that are specific. And in these conversations, there's three voices that speak into his life that kind of block him, want to block him from fulfilling what God's called him to do. Three voices that if he listens to those voices, then he never fights against the giant, then what takes place? Here's, Here's what the voices that say, and these are voices that I think we hear when we're walking out our calling. The first voice says, you should be doing something else. The second voice says, you're not equipped enough, so back down. And the third voice says, you're not worthy. And these are external voices. These are other people speaking into David's life. And I just want to point out that for us, a lot of times these voices are internal. A lot of times we... we speak these own things to ourselves. We sang about a song this morning about the lies. You know, not listening to the lies, the lies of Satan. 
I am always reminded when, you know, when stuff hits me as I'm moving down the path that I believe God's called me, I, I always have to be reminded, oh, that might be a lie from Satan to trip me up from continuing down this path that God, you've called me to do. And, and so, so a lot of times these lies come in, in the form of thoughts in my own head. They just, I think, I think Satan just continues to want to trip us up, continues to want to tell us we're, we're somebody other than what God tells us we are. And a lot of times we're really quick to listen to those instead of to stand on the truth of who we are in Christ. And so let's just look at these, these three voices that can distract us from our calling. The first is that you're, you're, you should be doing something else. And we find that when, when David meets up with one of his older brothers. It says, when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the man, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyways, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride and deceit. You, must, you just want to see the battle. Do you see that? You should be doing something else, David. You have those few little sheep that are perfect for you to handle. Why don't you go do that? Because this is man's work and you, know, you don't need to be here. You hear that voice? That voice for us can come as a belittling of voice. You know, have you ever heard that where you're just not good enough? You're, you, there's jobs that are perfect for you, but, you know, this job is leave it to somebody else. This belittling voice. Maybe it's a voice of jealousy. Maybe it's a voice of judgment. I think within David's brothers, they were there the day that David was called in out of the field and anointed as king over them. All, if, based on the scriptures, David went back to serving, went back to working, went back to doing what he's doing. Yet I just wonder how much jealousy had been built up in his brothers knowing little David's going to be king someday. I'm not and so this, this voice of, go back and deal with the sheep. You're arrogant. You're proud. We don't see that with David. We don't see the scriptures talking about that at all. We just see David serving. We just see David walking out what he's doing. But this voice is telling him, you're arrogant, David. You're proud. Just go do the little task that your dad told you to do. Do we hear those voices sometimes? In your walking out of your calling, do you hear a voice of, yeah, it's a big task. I don't know that I can handle it. Has somebody spoke that to you? So that's, that's the first, first voice that we can give way to that can divert us from walking on our calling. The second is that you're not equipped enough. Here's, what's, here's what happened. He, and David goes to Saul and says, I'll, it, it's verse 32, don't worry about the Philistine. I'll go fight him. And this is what Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you could fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Now, this could be a voice of concern. We know that at this point, Saul loved David. So it could be a voice of concern. But however this voice comes, it's coming in a way to say, you're just not equipped enough. We see this with Saul. Saul was paralyzed by fear of the giant. And Saul then says, when he finally says, hey, David, okay, you can go do it. What does Saul do? He takes his armor, the, the armor he as the king is supposed to be wearing to defeat the giant. And he tries to place it on David and say, if you're going to go do it here. And tries to equip David with what God's equipped him to do. In concern, I think. But think about this. How many times in walking out your calling has somebody come to you and said, ah, 
Are you sure this is what you're supposed to be doing? Or how about this one? Because I've heard this one. Hey, maybe you should be doing this. And as I've had conversations with people, when they say that to me, what I really realize is that God's maybe asked them to do it, and they're a bit of afraid to go walk it out, and so they want to push it off on on you. Has has that ever happened to you? Hey, yeah, you're not equipped to do that, but go do this. Well, wait a minute. Isn't that what God told you to do? And so this voice of, ah, maybe I'm not equipped. How am I really going to do what you've asked me to do, God? When Joe and I were asked by God, and we believe 100% God told us, you're going to go to Warsaw, you're going to plant this church. There was a lot of fear and questions that came into our head of us, how, when, why. And I had a friend at the time, I would say he was a good friend, come to me and he said, you know, Tom, I'm, I'm pretty concerned for you in this church planting path that you're walking. I really don't feel like you're able to preach a message week in and week out. And I think it's going to be a problem for you. And do you really think you should plant a church? I thought, you're a jerk. Like, come on, man, encourage me. Don't tell me this because now this seeds in my head. And you know, the thoughts I'm having is how am I going to preach a message week in and week out? I don't know. I I don't know what I'm going to do. I think at one point God told me, don't worry about preaching a message week in and week out. Worry about preaching the message this week. Get through this week and we'll deal with next week. And honestly, that's how I walk. Because if I think about the daunting task of 2019 where I'm going to probably preach 40 messages, that's a lot of work. How, How can you find 40 messages out of the Bible? I've already preached through half of it in the past three years. There's nothing more to be said. But I don't have to worry about that. Amen, (laughs) John. (laughs) I don't have to worry about that. That's a voice that that shouldn't be listening to. Here's here's what came out in that story of the guy telling me. There was some jealousy with that guy. That guy had a much higher education than I had. And I think in his heart, he wanted to go do it, plant a church. But God hadn't called him to plant a church. And so I think there was some jealousy that was in his heart that we were going to go do this. I think there was, I don't, I don't think any of it was wrapped around concern. And, and as the relationship kind of played out, it was revealed that, yeah, a lot of this was just, just jealousy. That God had called Joe and I to do something that you, maybe he called you to do and you're just afraid to do it. Or he's never called you to do. And, and that's how that situation played out. But in, in your life, have you been told you're just not equipped? You, you really should think about something else. And I would encourage you that... If God's called you, then he's the one that equips you, and he's the one that defends you, and he's the one that moves you down the path that he's called you to do. And, and other people's voices, you can discern whether they're, they're because they love you and they want to encourage you or because of jealousy or just because they're, they're, they're diverting from what God's called them to do. But this is a voice that could trip us up, right? Because I, I wonder how many of us have thought the thought or been told the, 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 the line. You're, you, that's too lofty, man. You're, you're not equipped. You, you go do something else. Here's a third one. You're not worthy. You're just not worthy of this calling that God's called you. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? Then he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. 
This giant is standing before David, not recognizing that David has the armies of heaven behind him, that he has the anointing of God backing him up, that he's got the calling of God as a future king. And he just is, is just saying, this, I'm going to mop the ground with you. And it doesn't deter David. He looks at the giant and he says, I'm going to grab my rocks. I'm going to do my business. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to deliver it. And here we go. And we see that take place, right? So you're not worthy. How many of us have heard that voice? I'm just not worthy. You're not worthy to do the work that God's called you to do. Let me land this. (laughs) If I was to, again, not asking necessarily for hands, but if, if I was to ask you, have you, as if you're a follower of Jesus, have you discovered your calling that God's, God's called you? Have, you? have you discovered that calling? Have, do you know your gifting, and have you discovered your calling? Could you raise your hand to that? Then the question would be, are you walking that out? Then the question would be, what giants are you facing that you need to just plow through to move towards your calling? Are these giants becoming roadblocks or speed? Or are they just speed bumps? What are they? Here, here's, here's what I believe takes place. I believe that at some point in our life, we have heard something from God as followers of Jesus. He spoke to us in a way, whether we recognize it or not, and we a lot of times go, we go create our own calling and our own path. If you don't know your calling, if, you, if you're questioning your calling, here's a good indicator of your calling. Do other people, what do other people say in the positive about you? Because a lot of times, other people will point out your calling to you before you even know it. When I was 17 years old, my youth pastor, this was in the 80s, so we didn't have computers and we didn't have, you know, clip art and all this stuff where you could just cut and, you know, I don't even know how to develop this stuff. I'm just going to stop talking on this level. Um, What we had to do, we were going to create a t-shirt for our youth ministry. We spent an entire Saturday, I had all my magazines, surfing magazines, cutting, gluing, running up to the front office, photocopy, bring back, cut, glue, photocopy, back and forth until we came up with this picture. It was awesome. It was a guy surfing on a Bible. We developed it. That was our youth group t-shirts. It took an entire day. It was terrible, which we still had the shirt. But in the course of that day, he looked at me and said, you know what, Tom? I could see you as a youth pastor someday. I took it as a flippant comment at 17 years old that my youth pastor was telling me this, but he was speaking into my life. He doesn't even believe in prophetic words, but he was giving me a prophetic word at 17 years old. I, I could see you as a youth pastor that day. A few years ago, about six or seven years ago, I'm sitting in a room at a retreat with a, leaders from the church in Syracuse, and they brought in, the church brought in this this guy to be kind of the speaker for the retreat for the weekend. And we're going around the room. There's about 25 of us, and we're, we're introducing ourselves to this guy. And he gets, I get to, he gets to me, and I said, my name's Tom. This is my, you know, Joe introduced herself. We're together, whatever. He, he, we get around the room, and he looks at me, and he goes, hey, Tom. He goes, I can't figure you out. I just can't put my finger on you. And he says, you know, I can't tell if you're a college professor, professor or a ditch digger. 
He said, he said, I just can't figure out, you know, your education. You know, you're just not. And then he said, have you ever thought about planting a church? And I just looked at Kent like, did you talk to this man? Never had talked to him. And so here's an, another voice calling something out to me in an area that at this point there had been some conversation, but it, I, wasn't, I wasn't solid in, are we going to play on a church? And then just this random guy says this to me. Who, who's, who's called you out? Who's pointed you out? Who's spoken to your life in such a way that you can say, man, maybe that's God speaking through somebody to, for me, for my calling. Does it ring? Does it, have, does it resonate in your head? understanding our calling, I think is very key to walking out the Christian faith. And so that's what, that's what I'm in, I want to encourage you to do. If you've, if you've developed your calling, you understand your calling, you know where God's going, keep running with it. Make it known. Don't hide it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be, don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. Say, God's called me to do this. And as a church, our job is to continue to equip you to go do it because it's all for God's kingdom. If you're sitting here right now and you're saying, God's called me to preach and take your job, Tom, come tell me that. I'm not going to, I'm going to be like, let's, let's work on that. Let's go with that. Whatever it is, if God's called you, embrace it, run with it, develop it, serve in order to be developed. Don't just put it off to the side. Don't listen to the giants that come our way that want to, want to block us from doing what God's called us to do. Stand with me. I'm going to wrap this up with just some practical tips for us to consider for the next few days. And it's stuff that I just keep talking about. First, understand and embrace your calling. The invitation is still there. If you're saying, I just am lost in this, I'm just stuck in this, I don't, I don't even know what my giftings are. That's step one. Figure out what God's placed in you for his family, for the world to be, to be a... a a light to this to the world to to bring God's kingdom to this world. God's given you a gift. If you don't know, let's have a conversation. Come talk to me. There's other people in this room that you could go talk to. They'll walk you through it, and it's real quick and easy. You'll start to discover this is my gifting. Second, recognize that God is bigger than your giants. What giants are you facing? I, can I just do something? Brandon and Laura, I just felt like God told me to tell you this. The giants, <laughs> no, you guys, turn back around. The giants that you guys are facing in your pathway to the adoption are just speed bumps. If God's called this and, and, and has called you guys to adopt this baby out of Africa, it's God's going to do this, right? And so these giants, the financial giants, the, the legal giants, they're just speed bumps. Keep running hard with that, okay? God, God, God's behind it. Keep running with it. Don't let those things block you, okay? Learn to grow from defeating your giants. As we, as we encounter these giants, um, we will learn the, the things we did right and the things we did wrong. Grow for them, from them. Move, move forward with them. Pray with me and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. As, after we finish praying, the worship team is going to lead us in a song of worship. And then we have a time... We just called ministry time. Most of you guys know this. Here's what I want to encourage you. If there's anything in your heart right now that's, that you're dealing with that you want God to be a part of, don't walk out of this room. Continue worshiping by coming forward at the end of the song and just saying, would, would, would you pray with me? There's people up here. Would you pray with me for this 
situation in my life. If you have a, a health situation, a financial situation, emotional situation, relational situation, would you just commit that you're going to start dealing with that today and allowing God to be a part of that? If you're, if you're have an inkling of your calling and you're just like, I just need a greater, greater direction, come and ask God for that. If, if you want to discover something about yourself and, and, and you want God to, to, you want to engage God with that, at the end of this song, when, when we dismiss, would you just linger and just come forward and just be honest with yourself and be honest with God and say, I need you, God, to intervene in my life. And that's what the rest of the service will be about, is us just pressing in with God and asking God to, to intervene in our life situations that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So, Father, we just, we recognize, God, I recognize that for each person that says yes to you and, and receives you as, as our Savior and places you in our lives as our Lord, that you, you have, you have a, a gifting that you've given us, you have a calling that you've given us, and, and it's for your glory that we walk this out in order just to see your kingdom come here in Warsaw. God, I, I also recognize that we are fulfilled when we're walking in that calling. That, that that's what, that fills the void in my life that I'm seeking for, for just contentment, for happiness, for, for peace in my life. Lord, I, I pray that each person that's standing here right now would just recognize even that. That as followers, you, you are called. You are equipped. God's behind you. He's anointed you for a, for a specific path in your life. And God, would you be, begin to call that out in people's lives? Would you begin to reveal that to people? Would you begin to convict people who know their calling and they just have been squashing it down? Lord, would you give people um, boldness to make, even if it's a life change, a major change, in order to, to get back on track with you? I wonder if in this room, if somebody has created a calling, created their own path of life through a career or through a job or through, through just the way that you've set yourself up. And right now, God's just telling you that you may have to tear some of that down. And that could become very scary. Because how do you, how do you adjust a job? How do you adjust a, a house or a car or something that is just roadblocking your calling. And if, if you are feeling that in, in any bit, would you just right now say, yes, you're going to walk up and you're going to just commit to let God start to, to adjust that and work that out in you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.